What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're with us for our grand opening. Come on, church, let's give it up for God. It's amazing what what God has been able to do over the last 13 years. And uh, in, in case you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And man, we're pumped for what God is doing in our church. And if you're a guest here with us today, I just want to say on behalf of our entire team that's here and all the people that attend Coastal Community Church, welcome home. Listen, there are so many places you could be on a Sunday morning, but the fact that you chose to be here with us, whether you're right here in our Parkland location or you're right there in Lighthouse Point, all of you guys, we love you guys. Come on, let's give it up for all of our Lighthouse Point people in the location over there. Man, we're so glad you're joining with us today as we are in week three of a series we're calling Faith to Believe. And my goal throughout this series was really just to challenge us as a church that like as good as this is like the best is still yet to come like as awesome as what God has done he's not finished doing some things in our lives and he still wants us to go yo I know that it's been awesome it's been good it's been amazing what I've done but I need you to have faith to believe for more like, like there are still more things in store. There are still more purposes and plans. There's still more for me to do through your life. The question is, is, is will you believe for the more? Now, what's interesting, as I was thinking about this weekend in particular, I, I was just studying the scriptures, and there's one statement, there's actually one phrase that Jesus makes more than any other phrase while he is here on the earth. It's, it's actually found in all four gospels, and it's simply the statement of, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, he says it 15 times throughout the four Gospels. And I got to thinking to myself, like, why in the world would Jesus constantly tell us to don't be afraid? Is it because his goal was to give us to, to live some, some fearless lives? Like, there would be eradicating fear out of our lives. And, and for a lot of us, the goal of our life is, is, is how do I get rid of all of my fear. And, and so many times what we think is that, is that, man, my goal in life is, is just how do I fear less? But the reality is it isn't about just how do I fear less, it's about how do I trust God more? Because the more that I trust, then the fear won't matter as much in my life as I've allowed it to dictate and predicate what I'm going to do in different aspects of my life. In fact, here's what I would tell you if you have a lot of fear in your life. You don't actually have a fear problem, you actually have a faith problem. See, a lot of us, we think, well, I, I, I've just got a fear. No, no, no. You don't have a fear problem. See, the fear is the byproduct of just the reality of life. What you actually have is you have a faith problem. You have this, this lack of belief that there is something greater, that there is something bigger, that there is something stronger, that there is something more significant that wants to work in and through your life than what you've imagined or realized so far. And I want to teach us today, like, how do we begin to change that mindset? And how do we begin to trust God more in our lives where we go, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Like, I want to have the faith to actually believe. Because I believe that God is actually speaking way more than we're listening. 
And God is actually wanting to move more in our lives than how we're responding. And so how do we trust an unknown future to a known God? Like, how do we make that move? And there's a really interesting story out of Matthew chapter 14. It's actually one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And let me give you the context of what is happening in this story. Jesus has just gotten done feeding 5,000 men uh, with the five loaves and the two fish. You guys all remember the five loaves and two fish story. And what is taking place is the people have seen this miraculous miracle that Jesus has just done. And so they're thinking to themselves, he should be our king. In fact, every other version of scripture besides Matthew's account actually shows the people going, man, if he can do this with five loaves and two fish, what could he do as the king of our people? Like maybe he could overthrow the Roman government. And so they're seeking to make him king. And I think the disciples were probably getting on the same boat and with that and going, yeah, man, did you just see what he did? Like he would totally make a great king. And Jesus like, oh, no, 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 God, you're missing the point. And he actually sends the disciples off in a boat, and he actually goes to pray. We're gonna pick it up in Matthew chapter 14. You can follow along, starting in verse 22. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. If, if you're not paying attention to the screen, you can look at your notes. If you're not looking at that, I'm gonna tell you to wake up, okay? Just gonna go with that. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Now, this is interesting because when the momentum is building, when the people are on his side, Jesus goes, hey, hey, guys, I know you think you, you want me to be king, but that's not the kind of kingdom I'm trying to establish. I'm not trying to establish a kingdom on this earth. I'm trying to establish a kingdom in your hearts. And a lot of us, we're looking to be kings on this earth and God's going, no, 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 I wanna establish a kingdom in your heart because if I get your heart, it's gonna change all of your life. I don't wanna just change the exterior, which is what so many of us are focused on. I actually wanna do a renovation of your heart, which will change the interior, which will eventually affect the outcome, which is your exterior. He says, while he sent the people home, verse 23, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was alone there. It says, meanwhile, everybody say meanwhile. His disciples were in trouble far away from the land. So, so here are the disciples, they're on the boats. It's a pretty unstable boat right here, that's all I gotta say. They're on the boat, they're freaking out because they're away from shore. All of a sudden they're in trouble. There's some wind and there's some waves that have risen up. Now think about this. These were guys that the majority of them were actually fishermen. Like they had been out on the sea on the regular. Like they were used to some, some crazy waves and some crazy, some crazy wind going on. And it says that they are frantically trying to row. They're, they're pushing up against some things. In fact, they're in trouble. And some of you all know exactly what I'm talking about because right now in your life, you're in trouble. Like you're going through some difficulty in your marriage right now and you know that there is more problems than there are solutions and you're going, man, we are in trouble. Some of you guys are in trouble when it comes to your money. Like there is way more month than there is money. Like it's the 21st today and you've already spent for the 30th. And you're going, I'm in trouble. Like Visa and MasterCard and American Express better bail me out. 
Some of you guys are in trouble. You just got a diagnosis. You thought everything was all good. But the doctor actually says it's all bad. And you're in trouble. Now what's interesting is who actually sent the disciples out into the trouble? Jesus. Some of us have this idea that if I am following God in my life, then I'm never going to experience any trouble. That I'm never going to have any difficulty, that is never going to be choppy, that is never going to be wavy, that is never going to be rocking back and forth. But maybe, just maybe, God has actually allowed some trouble to come into your life. Maybe, just maybe, that where we think that, man, I must have made a mistake and this isn't God's will, that God actually sent you in the middle of that trouble so you could discover his will. Continuing on in verse 25, it says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. And they cried out, it's a ghost. So it's not enough that they're just, they're freaking out about what's going on. All of a sudden they're seeing things. They're like, we're tripping. It's three in the morning. They're trying to find a Perkins or something. Like they're tripping right now. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage, which is, a, which is a big deal right now. Because a lot of us, we're waiting for other people to encourage us. Like, I just need to go places where they will encourage me. We, we post things on the internet. Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. No, you're not supposed to be getting your encouragement from other people. You're supposed to take courage on your own. Like, courage is not other people's responsibility for you. Your courage, your responsibility. Oh, TJ, I don't like responsibility. That's the problem. He says, take courage, I am here. And then Peter calls to him and says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Now, if I'm Peter, there are way better ways for me to discover if it's really Jesus. Come on, somebody like, Jesus, how about you tell me what we ate last night? Like, Jesus, what's my mother's maiden name? Like, I could have thought way better questions. Then, like, tell me to come out. At, like, like, Peter's, like, playing poker. He's like, Jesus, I don't know if my hand's good, but I'm going to go all in. And Jesus like, you want to play poker, Peter? Come. Peter's like, oh, snap. I don't think he would call. So Peter, he, he steps out of the boat, and I've, I've imagined Peter stepping out of the boat all week. I'm, I'm trying to think, did he, he like, did he like tiptoe? Like, is it going to work? Like, did it, or was he just like bold? He's like, what's up, God? I'm here. Like, I don't, I don't know. Come 
I just know he got out of the boat. And he does something that nobody has ever seen up to this point or anybody has ever really seen since this point. He begins to walk on the water. It's an amazing thing. He, and he walks towards Jesus. Then all of a sudden he gets his eyes off Jesus and he sees a strong wind and he sees the waves. He's terrified and he begins to sink. And then he cries out, save me, God! It says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, why do you have so little faith? And I'm just telling you right here, I would have wanted to fight Jesus because he said that to me. I'm like, Jesus, I was walking on water. That's some big faith right there. Come on, can we all agree? If you walk on water, you got some big faith. You also might have some big other things, but that's a different sermon right now. You got some big faith. Like, I look at this and I go, that's, that's miraculous. And the reason we look at that and we think it's big faith is because we think anything that God does that is big is significant. But the same power, like we, we see this, if somebody gets healed of cancer, we go, God, that's a big miracle. But do you know that it takes the same power of God to heal your paper cut as it does that cancer? Like, we, we equate things like that's big sin and this is little sin. Like, that's a big miracle and this is a little, little miracle. No, no, no. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that what I make a mountain out of, God can make a molehill of. Like, I'm so thankful that I have a God that's way bigger than my intellect and my experience. And then he says to Peter, why did you doubt me? Like, I think it's pretty amazing that God doesn't equate the bigness with our faith with the hugeness of the miracle, but how long we can actually stay in our faith. Like, God measures faith not in, in how big of a thing that happened, but how long we could stay faithful in that moment. And a lot of us, we're looking for bigness from God rather than faithfulness to God. It says, when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. And they said, you really are the son of God. They're like, God, you are absolutely amazing. And as I was reading through this story I just thought about how do we have this kind of faith to where we'll believe God to step outside of what we've known and what we've experienced and where we've been and, and what we're comfortable in and, and invite him to do the impossible in our lives. And I just want to give you a couple of observations out of this story today that I think will encourage you and challenge you and help you to not live inside the boat, but to get outside the boat in your life. The first one is this. Anything God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. Anything God invites you to do is going to initially involve some level of fear. And here's the thing. When you're in the middle of fear, you can choose to become bitter in your fear, or you can choose to become better in your fear. 
You can become bitter and go like, why is this happening to me? God, I can't believe you would allow me to get out here in the boat. You sent me out here and you can get angry at God or you can go, God, what are you trying to do inside of me? How are you trying to change me? How are you trying to get me to see from a different perspective? Whatever we focus on will become our perspective. And a lot of us, what happened is is we grew up with the idea that if we were obedient to Jesus, then everything was going to be great in our lives. Like we were going to have rainbows and butterflies everywhere. We were going to be blessed and highly favored. Like we never expected there to be any difficulty if we were a follower of Jesus. That's because we bought into a false gospel. Jesus doesn't promise a life of, of easy, peasy, does it, he actually promises that sometimes you're gonna walk through some storms. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You know why you have trouble? Because people only change because of one of two reasons, pain or pleasure. And most of us don't change when it's pleasurable. We only change when it's actually painful. And the reality is that Jesus at times will allow you to walk through the storms. Because here's what I know. It's when you're in the middle of the storm that God finally gets your full attention. Because here's what I know. When you're rolling in your comfortable place and everything is easy and everything is good and it's sunny outside and it's smooth sailing, you're not thinking one ounce about God. You're like, they see me rolling, they hating. Why are they hating? Because you got it easy. But the moment the storms come, the moment the difficulty comes, the moment the things are falling apart, we can't look to everything that made us comfortable anymore. We have to start looking someplace else. We have to look up to the one who controls it all and go, God, help me. And I want you to know that when you're in the middle of the storm, you're exactly where you're supposed to be because it's in the storm that God can mold you, that God can shape you, that God can transform you to make you into the person that you're actually designed to be. And here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that these disciples that were sitting in this boat, they needed to know him in a way they didn't know him right now. They needed to see him from a different perspective. And I believe that anytime God leads you into a storm, it's initially gonna have some level of fear and that fear is going to get your attention. And now that the storm has their full attention, Jesus decided it was time for the disciples to get to know him a little bit better in that moment because we're in those moments, we are forced to lean into something that is bigger than ourselves. And God's ultimate plan for your life and my life is that we would trust him more. So anything he calls us to do is initially going to involve some level of fear. Number two, the greatest purpose of your life cannot be discovered while you're living for security. Can't be discovered while you're living for security. Here are the disciples in the middle of the boat. They are fishermen. Like, this is what they know. This is what they do. They have been on the Sea of Galilee all their life. This is where they grew up. They know these waters better than anywhere else. This was their comfort zone. This was their security in life. This was their happy place. Like, when they, went in tr- when they got in trouble, you know what they ran back to? They ran back to this. Why? Because this was their comfort zone. 
but nobody does anything significant in life while they stay in their comfort zones. Like God can't use you in the middle of your comfort zone. Listen, you can be hiding and thriving, but very few people are actually hiding and winning in life. And a lot of us, we always run back to the safest place that we know. And here's what I know. If you don't get out of the boat, there is one guarantee, and that one guarantee is that you will never walk on water. If you don't move out of the comfortable, secure, easy place that you have created. And so here's my question for every single one of us today is, is what is your boat? What is the place that you run to when things aren't going well, it might be that drug, it might be that relationship, it might be back to that job, it might be to your bank account. What is the thing that you run to and you go, I am safe here. I am secure here. Here's where I'm going to find my security in life. And this is what I'm going to hold on to. But you're never going to find great purpose in holding on to the things of the past when God has got something new. It's time for some of us to stop living for our security and start living for some purpose in life. And I know some of you, you, you naturally have a question because it's the same question I have is, how do I discern between an authentic call from God to get out of my boat or, and, and just rash impulse? That's a great question. Because I don't know about you, but I have rash impulse syndrome in my life. If it looks crazy and stupid, count me in. Like, I don't even ask, God, is this you? I'm just like, that's dumb. Let's do it, you know? And I think that there is, there is a very, very thin line between don't be afraid and don't be an idiot. Can we all agree that that line is, is super thin? It's super hard to determine all the time. But this is where you got to lean on wise people, you gotta, you gotta lean on prayer, you gotta, you gotta make sure that those things are coming together in unison, and, and let me say it like this, even when I think that God has told me, when I say I'm 100% sure this is God, it's really like 80% sure, because like I've never been 100% because God has never physically appeared in front of me, slapped me in the face, and then backhanded me and go, this saith the Lord, you know, like he's just never done that. Most of the time, it's like 80%, that's God, 20%, TJ, you're on crack. You know, that's the, that's the dispersion there. But here's how I do it. I, I, I lean on to two out of three things. I, I, I think with my head, I go with my logic, I, pros and cons. Then I check out my heart, like what is my emotion selling? How do I emotionally feel about this? But ultimately, it's what does my gut say? Like what is the Holy Spirit, I believe, speaking to me? And two of those three have to be in unison for me to make a decision to move forward. But moving out of the boat, that is where faith lies. Number three, fear will never go away. I know that that's really encouraging for some of you because you're like, I would like the fear to go away. It doesn't. In fact, there used to be a popular Christian bumper sticker that said, no Jesus, no fear, K-N-O-W, Jesus, if you know Jesus, like intellectually you know Jesus, then you'll have no fear. Great bumper sticker, terrible theology. Because it just isn't true. If that was true, the moment we accepted Jesus as our Savior, we would be walking around as fearless people. 
but I still got fear. Anybody else have any fear? Come on, raise your hand. You got some fear in your life. Okay, most of you. Some of you guys, apparently, you got the bumper sticker. And so, <laughs> but here's what I've learned when I'm fearful. In fact, in fact, it's something we, we, we taught our five-year-old son. Here's what you do. You do it scared. So many of us, we're waiting until we're not scared in life. If, if I would have waited for my son not to be scared, he would have never gotten on a swing. He would have never rode down a slide. He would have never gotten up on my shoulders. He would have missed out on so many good things in life because he was afraid. And so many of us, we are missing out on so many good things in life because we're afraid and God's going, do it scared. Like Peter is sitting in the boat, he's freaking out. He's like, is that a ghost? Okay, I'll get out. <laughs> Just think about the logic. He probably did it scared. Here's the deep truth about water walking. is about stepping out in faith. The fear will never go away. Why? Because every time I want to grow, it will involve taking some new ground in my life. And anytime I go and do something new, it's going to be scary. Why? Because I've never done it before. But then once I do it, it's not scary anymore. And a lot of us, we get comfortable there and God goes, no, no, no. I need you to take some new territory again. Why? Because fear and growth are a package deal. And we are called to be a growing people. In fact, it's one of our values here that, that healthy people grow, which means you should be constantly conquering your fear, which means you're going to be stepping out, doing it scared. Growth doesn't happen in comfort. Growth happens when you do it scared. Number four, there are some things worse in life than failure. Come on, church, repeat that with me. On the count of three, one, two, three. There are things worse than failure. My wife totally butchered that right here on the front row. There really are some things that are worse than failure. I feel like early on in my life, I was terrified of failure. Like is the thing that I was the scaredest to be was labeled a failure. But now that I'm getting older, I'm pretty comfortable with failure. Like, in fact, I fail a lot. Like, I, I screw up a lot. And I've just learned that failure isn't bad and failure isn't final. And when we look at these verses that we just read, we tend to think about Peter and we go, man, he got out of the boat and then he sank. Peter was such a failure. Why? Because he failed publicly. He failed where everybody has talked about him for the last 2,000 years. But you want to know who were bigger failures? It was 11 jokers who didn't get out of the boat. They were the biggest failures in the story. And we don't ever talk about them because they never did anything significant in their life to step out of in that moment. So we didn't disregard them in the story. The one that we think about is Peter because he failed publicly. And I think for a lot of us, the reason we don't step out in faith is because we're afraid to fail publicly. We're afraid that, that somebody will see that we stepped out and it didn't work out. 
But it's not about us stepping out and working out. It's about us stepping out and trusting God that he's right there in the middle of it with us. Here's what's worse than public failure. It's sitting back in the boat wondering what might have been if I would have done that. What might have been if I would have asked Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. But I also think about this story and I think about the fact that these guys had been ministering with Jesus all of the previous day. And the Bible says that at this point it was three o'clock in the morning and they've been rowing since before the sun went down. Could it be that the reason that they didn't have the faith to step out was just a simply they were fatigued? Like, I've just learned in my life, I make the worst decisions when I'm tired. Like, I, I don't make wise decisions in those moments. In fact, Vince Lombardi says it like this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 2, God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. For some of you, this most spiritual thing you could do to build your faith would be to take a nap. Not during the sermon, but... After, you could, you could do that. Because I think a lot of us, the reason we're not experiencing the move of God in our life right now is we are just so worn out from doing, 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 doing that we've never taken the time to get the rest so we can get refreshed, so that we could actually be prepared <laughs> to step out of our boat and experience all that God has for our lives. And maybe, just maybe, you're one of those people that's out there today. That the greatest thing you could do so for you to take courage would be to actually get some rest. And you think about these others, the other 11 that had stayed in the boat I think they understood the cost of getting out of the boat. They're very much aware of the potential pain, the criticism, the critique of everybody else around them. But what they weren't aware of was a greater cost, and that was the cost of staying in the boat. I don't know if you've ever experienced stepping out in the middle of something and knowing you weren't capable of actually doing it. And then feeling the joy of God empowering you to do something significant in your life. See, Peter experienced some things that the other 11 never did. O only Peter knew the thrill of walking on water. He was the only one to attempt it. He was the only one to do it. He was the only one to feel the joy of being empowered by God to do something that nobody on the face of this earth has ever done. And here's what I know. Once you walk on water, you never forget it. Once you walk on water, you go, God, if you could do that in my life, what else could you do?
Like it empowers you to move forward in so many other areas of your life. And, and, and he was the only one that felt the power of God empowering him to do something that nobody else had ever done. And I'm just telling you, I, as your pastor, if you only knew what I felt 99.9999% of the time, I feel overwhelmed as your pastor. If you heard my prayers of like, God, please don't let me screw this thing up. If they only knew what an idiot I am. There is no way that these people would come to this church. Like if they only knew how incompetent I am, there is no way that they would trust me with their spiritual journey. And I'm like, they're like, well, then how do you have this much success? I don't know. I just keep showing up and God keeps showing off. And I think that if we just keep showing up and stepping out, then God will just keep showing up and showing off. And only Peter got to experience that. If you've never put yourself in a position you aren't capable of doing it, then you've never experienced the power of God making you capable. You know what else only Peter knew? Only Peter knew the glory of Jesus lifting him up in a moment of desperate need. Because when he begins to sink, Jesus reaches down and lifts him up. You know what else only Peter knew? Only Peter knew the experience of walking on water twice. You're like, hold on. He only walked on water once. No, no, no. He sank. And Jesus lifted him up. And I don't think Jesus gave him a piggyback ride back to the boat. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? He said, Peter, do it again. Some of you... You have tried faith before, and you felt like you sank, and I believe that the Spirit of God is here lifting you up today, and he's saying, hey, it's time to do it again. It's time to do it again. It's time to walk. It's time to step out. It's time to see what I want to do in your life. The question is, is will you get to step in? And then number five, to follow Jesus, you must renounce comfort as your ultimate value. Why risk it? There's so many reasons. It's the only way to real growth is a great reason. The best way to develop true faith is by stepping out. That's another great reason. I think it's part of discovering your purpose in life is stepping out. There are a lot of good reasons to step outside of your boat. But you want to know what the greatest reason is? is the greatest reason to step out of the boat is because Jesus isn't in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. And I don't know about you, but a lot of us, we've been calling God and going, God, come to my boat. God, you see me here? Come, come rescue me. And God's going, no, 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 come to me and I will rescue you. And I believe that God is calling some of us today to get outside of our comfort zone, to get outside of our security to get outside of what we have known and always known. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you that are broken and destitute, and I will restore. Come to me, all of you that are hurting, and I will mend. Come to me, all who are lost, and I will save. 
And here's the promise when you come to God. He said he'll never leave you and that he'll never forsake you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today and you've been finding your security and your value and your worth and your identity in your boat. And it's time for us to leave our boat to actually experience what God has for us. So God, right now I pray for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in this room, God, that, that you would begin to show us what our boat has been. What has the, been the safety and confines of the security and comfort of our lives? And God, that we would see where you are that you are calling us, that you are calling us to you. God, and we wouldn't wait for you to get to us, but we would jump out and come to you. And that as we jump out, that we would experience everything that you have for our lives. God, that we would experience your miraculous working power. God, that our faith would be renewed and restored and empowered. God, that we would see you move in our lives in supernatural ways like we've never experienced before. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. God, I also pray right now, I believe that there's some people that are in here that you've never come to Jesus for the first time. And what I mean by that is you don't know that there's a God that loves you so much that while we were still sinners, that while we were stuck in our mess, that Christ died for us. That God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that none of us should perish, that none of us should be stuck in life. But all of us can be restored back into relationship with him because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary so that the sin that separated us would now be eradicated through his death, burial, and resurrection so that we can come back into a personal relationship with God. And maybe you're out there today and you've never experienced that relationship or, or maybe you did a long time ago and you walked away and it's time for you to come back to Jesus today. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're at Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland, if that's you, if you just slip your hand up to the count of three, I'd love to pray for you. One, two, three. Go ahead and, and get out of your boat. Slip that hand up. No shame here at all. Yes, I see you up there. Thank you. Yes, I see you right there. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Yes, sir, I see you back there. Thank you. Up in the balcony, I see you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, back there above the TV, I see you. If you just pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud, I say, God, thank you for loving me and giving me the greatest gift, the gift of your son, Jesus. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. Take over. I ask you to not just be my Savior, but be my Lord. Lead God and direct me all the days of my life. I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.